Thanks for tuning in to The Way, a study through the life of the disciples. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Greg Pettigrew. A few months ago, where we talked about James the Lesser. And uh, I was thinking beforehand, you know, I wonder if they ever called him James the Greater to his face. You know, if somebody called... Mr. Glenn, you know, we got a couple Glens in here. We got Glenn Cockroft and Glenn Crodwell. What if we called you Glenn the Lesser and we called him Glenn the Greater? How would you feel about that? You think I had it backwards, right? Yeah, but I was sitting at my desk while I go thinking, what if somebody called me Greg the Greater? Hmm? Where would my head go? Man, bigger than, it's already big enough. You know what I'm saying? But I, I was just thinking about that and, and how it fits with what we're talking about tonight, because we know, we know some things about James. I mentioned just a while ago that he's the brother of John, the apostle John. He's a son of Zebedee. He was a fisherman. He was one of four men, uh, Peter, Andrew, his brother John and himself, who were called by Jesus while they were close to their fishing boats, cleaning their nets, doing their fishing things. So we know that he was a fisherman. He was Beth, from Bethsaida in Galilee. So he was a Galilean, just like Jesus, you know, and, and he was actually, one of the things you may not know is that he was the first Christian martyr. He was the first martyr for the cause of Christ. He was uh, beheaded by King uh, Herod Agrippa after preaching the gospel. He was in prison for a little while and then uh, uh, eventually beheaded because of his, uh, his calling to preach. And so we, we know all of these things. Another thing that we know as I said, he is one of the well, more well-known of the disciples. And one of the reasons is, is because he was part of the inner three. Peter, James, and John. You know, they were present with Jesus. When Jesus raised uh, Jairus' daughter from death, these were the three men who were present. When they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and uh, a cloud came down and covered the mountaintop. And when they looked at Jesus, you know, he was uh, transformed. He, he was glowing. He was different. You know, they, they were the three men that were there for that. Peter, James, and John. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus, all of the disciples were with him, and Jesus took these three deeper into the garden and told them, watch and pray with me. And they were the three that then went to sleep after he went to pray, right? But they were these inner three. They were the, the three closest disciples to Jesus. And, and so... But something that is, again, maybe lesser known about James the Greater is that, you know, he was one of the, the, the inner three. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples, but he was devoted to a point of being fanatical at times. You know, we all hear about Peter, right? And, and, and you know, we talk about how Peter stuck his foot in his mouth all the time, and Peter had the temper, and Peter, you know, said a lot of things that he shouldn't have said. And, and I... After I was studying, I was like, man, James was right there with him, bro. Uh, he, was, he was doing some things and saying some things that made me think, man, this, this joke is just as bad as Peter, you know? And, and so I got to looking and seeing just all of this stuff about James, uh, you know, that he was just as likely to snap out as anybody was at any moment. And I started thinking about my own life and how quickly I snap out at times and then I started thinking about my wife and how easily she snaps out all the time. 
you know, and she's not here, and I'm going to pick on her hard because she's not here. You know, I, she was supposed to be here, and I would have I would have gone light on her if she would have been here. So if some of y'all want to record and send it to her, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care tonight. I'm all over her. Because most of the time, she's all over me. Mr. Rodney, are you reaching for your phone? <laughs> Is that what's happening right now? Because <laughs> I will snap out. <laughs> so... No, but I'm, I'm just, just thinking about that. That's what we're talking about tonight is, is James the Greater, but it's his carnality. The, the, the fact that, that he, he acts out in the flesh a lot, man, and, and how, how, how at home does this hit for you? Uh, because I know how at home it hits for me. You know, uh, these past couple weeks, uh, some, some of y'all don't know, I know that the elders know and, and some of my, my closer people know, but I've been going through some stuff with these teeth, man, going to the dentist constantly, I went in there one day to get some stitches out, ended up walking out with a root canal, you know. Went back a few days later because a crown popped off and they did an implant. I'm about ready to snap out for sure, you know, after all that, but especially after they handed me a bill, you know, because it, it wasn't nothing light. But there were several, there, there are several instances that I can think of, not just now, but, you know, all through my life when my flesh has been the driving force uh, in, my, in my life, you know? And, and I think that's the same for so many people today. For James, it was just like that. You know, there's, there's several instances where uh, we can see that with him. We can see his carnality. We can see how the flesh rises up. In Mark chapter 8, there's an instance where... Uh, they, they, they run across this man who is casting out demons in Jesus' name. And so they call him out and they're like, no, nah, no, nah, bro, you ain't doing that. You know, you're you going to stop that. Maybe not in those words exactly, but they go back to Jesus and they tell Jesus, there was a guy that was casting demons out in your name, so we made him stop. And Jesus said, no, don't do that. If he ain't, if he ain't against us, he's for us. You know, what he's doing is good. He can do that. He, he's, he's doing the right thing. You're mad, you know, and what it is, is, is maybe the jealousy that comes up. You know, we, we go to church and we do things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in part of the kids ministry. You know, and one day I show up late and somebody else has had to step in there. And out of my jealousy, out of my, my flesh rises up and I get mad. You know, why are they doing what I came to do? Well, bro, if you would have showed up on time, you'd have been in there doing it, you know? But, but your flesh rises up that quickly over something like that, something that should be a good thing. You know, we, we got people who are trying to, 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 to love on one another and, and because they ain't involved us in it, we finna snap out, you know? If, if, you know, if I'm just trying to get lost people into my church, you know, and, and you would rather have them at your church, but they're at my church, you getting mad because they're at my church when they ain't at your church, but they're hearing the gospel at my church. Why are you getting mad? Because they're hearing the gospel. You know, you, you feel what I'm saying? You, 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 we, we shouldn't let these things get in the way of, of who we are as Christians. But that flesh, 
That flesh is right there. You know, when we got saved, and y'all have heard me say this before, when we got saved, my flesh did not change. I would have loved to have magically in that moment looked like a movie star and, 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 and had this cut body and all of these things, but that ain't what happened. My flesh stayed the same. I was just as fat as I was before I got saved, right? I was just as short as I was before I got saved. I was just as homely as I was before I got saved. But my spirit man, man, he was, he was looking good, <laughs> right? Because that old man was dead, and now the spirit of the living God was inside of me. And so the spirit was changed. The flesh was the same. And so that flesh rises up. These guys, man, these guys, these are Jesus' disciples. This is one of his inner three. This is one of the ones who's right there with him all the time. A forerunner for Christ. And yet, and still, there are times, there's another time in Luke, I believe it's maybe Luke chapter 9. Don't, don't, let me, let me, let me look at my notes so I don't mess no, nobody. Luke chapter 9. <laughs> Smarter than I thought. Luke chapter 9. Jesus is on his way. Oh, yeah, come on. I, th I thought, I was like, bro, get up here. Get up here. No, but in Luke chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are on their way from, from Jericho to Jerusalem, uh, and, and they are passing by a Samaritan village. And Jesus tells his disciples, go into the village and tell them to make ready for me, right? Which means get ready to host me, get ready to let me come in, you know, sit down, eat a meal, take a nap, something like that. And the Samaritans say, no, you ain't coming in here. We're, we're not going to uh, treat him. We're not going to host him. Y'all need to go around. And so James and his brother John, this is where they get their nickname, by the way. They tell Jesus, look, let's just call down fire on these people. Let's just consume them right now. Bring fire down on them. Just, just light them up. So they start calling them the sons of thunder. That's where they get their nickname, sons of thunder from. But these, this, again, listen, this is a disciple of Jesus supposed to be showing the love of Jesus. Ain't everybody in this world going to love you and act to you the way that you think that they should. You're not always going to agree with what's said to you. You're not always going to like the way somebody treats you. But when they treat you wrong, you don't say, all right, Lord, strike them dead. Take them out. Get them gone. Because where's the love of Christ in that? But your flesh wants to do that, right? Your flesh wants to slap somebody right upside the head. Uh, and some of y'all probably do. I don't know. I don't know how y'all act. A uh, couple of you. A couple of you I know. Uh, y'all hit somebody. I know you will. But uh, that's not what we're called to do. But this is the way that flesh does. Flesh reacts, right? When, when things don't go the way that we want them to, the flesh reacts. For James and, and John in that instant, their, their flesh reaction was just kill them, kill them, get them gone. And so, and then there's the instance that we want to look at tonight. But I just wanted you to see that this, this is the thing this guy didn't just deal with on one occasion. This was a continual thing that even a disciple of Jesus struggled with. 
So we, as Christians, we're going to struggle with this too. But we don't have to. We can grow and get better. We can go from flesh to faith. We can get to that place in our lives where the instant, uh, instantaneous automatic reaction is not slap somebody upside the head. It's tell them how much you love them. We can get to that place where we pray with somebody instead of yell at somebody. And so for, for James, we're going to look at an instance in his life where in Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 45, this is kind of a, a, a different than the first two because in the first two, you know, they, they told a guy just to stop doing what you're doing. They, they kind of snapped out on him. Stop, stop casting out demons in Jesus' name. Stop doing what you're doing. The second instance, they wanted to, to destroy some people, you know. But then there's another way that react, we react in our flesh where we want to kind of put ourselves out there. So we want to be the, the center of attention. We want to be the, 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 the people that everybody's looking at. And that's what we're seeing here in Mark chapter 10 for James. Beginning in verse 35. It's going to be on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, it's up here. You can read along with us up here. It says, And James and John, the sons of Debedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou should do, shouldest do for us whatever, whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared." And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that, which, that, that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So in this instance, we've got James and John coming to Jesus and saying, look, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus, you know, he knows what they're going to ask. So, you know, he don't say, I'll do, I'll do whatever you ask. He says, what is it that you want? What, what, what would you that I would do for you? And so James and John said, look, we want to be sitting, one on your right hand, one on your left hand, when you come into your glory. And in their mind, see, these disciples still have it that, that Jesus is fixing to take over and become king of all the land, right? He's fixing to take over, defeat Rome, put Jerusalem back on the map, put Israel back on the map where they need to be. He's going to sit down as king over everything, and they want to sit one on his right and one on his left. They want to be top dogs, so to speak. You know, and, and, and Jesus is like, you don't know what you're asking me. 
can, can you do what I'm going to do? Because they didn't understand. All they saw was what they thought they wanted, right? Because Jesus had just told them something. He had just told all of his disciples something that because of the flesh, these two men didn't hear. Because what the flesh, the desire of the flesh is satisfaction. And the flesh is going to do whatever the flesh has to do to get the satisfaction that it wants in that moment. Whatever that satisfaction is, whatever your desire is in that moment, whatever the flesh is wanting of you, the flesh is going to demand of you, do whatever you have to do to fix what I'm feeling right now. Whether it's like we did, whether it's seeking drugs to fulfill that emptiness, you know, to, 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 I, my flesh is, is yearning for something. What am I? Mm, and your flesh is crying out, do a shot, uh, you know, take a drink, hit somebody, rob somebody, whatever. Your flesh is crying out, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's not going to be satisfied until you do it. And so for James and John, in this instance for James, their flesh is crying out that they want to be, you know, we, 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 we've been following you, Jesus, and we've been, we've been right here with you, and we're your inner three. We get that. We're part of the inner three. Man, we want to be, we want to be up front now. You know, we've been following you for long enough. Now we want to be up here by you. I followed you and I followed you and I followed you. It's time for me to get a little recognition for what I've done. Because that's basically what they're saying. When you want to sit at Jesus' right hand and Jesus' left hand when he comes into his glory, you're saying, I want the recognition. When you get put up there in front of everybody, I want them to see me right next to you. And so the flesh is saying, man, that is what is going to satisfy in this moment. Right. And right before that, though, in verses 32 through 34, this is what Jesus had said to them. And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem and Jesus went before them and they were amazed. As they, and as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen to him. Saying, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the son of man, me, Jesus, shall be delivered under the chief priests and under the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Jesus just gets through saying these things when James approaches him and says, I want to be right there next to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to be right there. I want to be right there with you. Huh? Because when that flesh is screaming, the flesh is screaming, 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 satisfy me, fulfill me, do what I need, do what I need, do what I need. You ain't hearing what's being said. You ain't hearing the warnings that's coming at you. You ain't hearing the people who's saying, you need to straighten up. You ain't hearing the people that's saying, it's time for you to get right, get some act right in you, right? You can't hear that because you're so focused on what the flesh is screaming out to you to do. That's all you can think about. It's I gotta satisfy this flesh. I got to get this flesh what it wants. I got to get this flesh, man. Mm. Flesh says I need to be first. Flesh is right. Flesh said I need to sit on Jesus' right hand. My brother needs to sit on his flesh hand. Flesh ain't never did me wrong before. Flesh, flesh knows where I need to be. Flesh says I need to get right there. So the, the desire of the flesh is going to push you and push you and push you and push you. Until you end up doing something that you later regret. See, the desire of, 
As I said, the desire of flesh is satisfaction. The desire of faith is glorification. The glorification of a risen Savior. The glorification of Jesus Christ. It's recognizing, just like John the Baptist said, I must become less that he might become more. It's recognizing that Jesus is fixing to come into his glory. Man, it's going to be so awesome for me to see that. It's going to be so awesome for me to be a part of that. It's going to be so awesome for me to get to tell people about that. Because he's going to be up front. He's going to be the one they're looking at. It ain't about me. But the flesh drowns all of that out. So, how, how do we go from flesh to faith? Because that's where we want to get. That's where we all want to get. Because we all struggle with this. You know, I know that this is something that I, I, I told y'all that I, I deal with. And, and I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that most everybody here does. It's not, we're not the first ones who, who do this, who struggle with this. You know, I think about Paul when he wrote to Timothy. You know, he said that, you know, this is a trustworthy saying uh, that I am the, that, that Jesus Christ came to, to heal sinners of which I am the worst, you know, to save sinners of which I am the worst. You know, in, in, in Romans chapter seven, he talks in the present tense about doing what he don't want to do. You know, he says, the thing that I want to do is not the thing that I do, but the thing that I hate, that's what I end up doing. You know, he's saying right then, I'm, I'm struggling too. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Brother Andy preached on this not long ago. He said a thorn in his flesh. He's asking Jesus to get rid of the thorn in his flesh. He's struggling. We're all struggling with the flesh. It's a daily thing that we struggle with because when we get saved, and those of you who've heard me teach before, you probably heard me say this. When we get saved, the flesh man is the same and the spirit man changes. They go to war. And Paul tells us that in Romans chapter seven. He says, we're at war against the flesh. Right? They're at war over our, our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. They're at war over our soul. And, and so what we do to go from flesh to faith is that when flesh starts crying out more, 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 we deny ourselves more, more, more. We offer it less, less, less. Jesus Christ says, if any man wants to follow after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross and, and follow me daily. You know, that, that's what we do. To go from flesh to faith is you start denying yourself because flesh is going to constantly scream more, more, more. You know, I, I, I talk about all the time at, at Righteous Oaks and everything. I tell those guys out there that Satan is a chatterbox, a 24-7 chatterbox. But your flesh is right there next to him talking just the same junk, trying to mess you up, trying to trip you up because the flesh is the part of you that loves the sin that you do. The flesh is the part of you that, that, that is good with those bad things that you've done. The flesh is the part of you that says, oh man, that was the best time in my life. Don't you want to be back there? You know, it just dawned on me right now that the children of Israel, when God has delivered them from Egypt and they want to go back, what do they tell him? We used to sit around the Flesh pots. That just dawned on me. The flesh pots. Because it was the flesh that was screaming to them, come on back to Egypt, baby. This is where you need to be. And that's what the flesh does. The flesh is trying to draw us back in. And the spirit man is saying, look, that ain't where you want to go. God delivered you from that. Don't ever go back. And so we have to learn to 
deny ourselves. Again, as the, as the flesh cries more and more and more, the spirit learns to learn to do less, less, less. We cry less, less, less with our spirit. We deny ourselves. And then we begin to move from flesh to faith. And as we move from flesh to faith, we start to see some things. Our faith starts to reveal some things to us that the flesh doesn't want us to know. As we move from flesh to faith, the faith reveals things that your flesh doesn't want you to know. Your flesh doesn't want you to realize, first off, that everything that glitters ain't gold. For James and his brother John, they said they want to be risen up. They want to be made, they want to sit at Jesus' right hand and Jesus' left hand. And Jesus says, look, do you really? First off, I just told you what's going to happen. Secondly, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to, can you drink of the cup I'm going to drink? Can you do these things? They're like, oh, yeah, 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 we can do that. Because the flesh is making them think, then if I'm up there, if I'm next to him, that's glitter. That's glitter. That's where I want to be. That's what worldly acclamation is. Worldly acclamation glitters. You know, worldly honor glitters. It, it, it tells us, man, if, if people look at you, you're shining, right? If you're the one up in front of everybody, you got to be shining because everybody's focused on you right now. And the flesh is saying, oh, man, this is, oh, this is it. This is what I was made for. This, this is where I was always supposed to be right here in front of everybody where everybody's looking at me, I'm shining right now. And I'm glittering right now. But this is what we should say. To look good. Should never be the desire that we have. Let me read this as I wrote it down. This is it. To be good should be more our care than to look great. To be good should be more our care than to look great. James and John, they said, we want to be up there next to you. And Jesus said, look, he, he took this as a teaching opportunity. He brought his, all of his disciples together because the other disciples, they got hot. They was about to get in that flesh too, you know? <laughs> Flesh was finna rise up all over the place. And Jesus said, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to bring these guys together. And he said, listen, the Gentiles, this is their thought process. They want to lord over each other. The, by the Gentiles, he meant those who aren't of my way, those who don't know me yet. They're the ones, they want to lord over each other. They want to be the ones that, that, that I'm, I'm your master, I'm, I'm your teacher, I'm your director, I'm your boss. I'm over you. You do what I say. That's not what we're here for. He said, we're here to minister. He said, you want to be great? You got to be less. We're here to minister. We, we're not here to lord it over anybody. And so, Mark eight thirty six. For what shall it profit a man 
if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. So many of us, we have that mindset, if I can just get this promotion, you know, if I can just get that job, that's going to fulfill me. If I can just get that house, that's what it's going to take. You know, if I can just get in a relationship with that person. And that's what the flesh wants you to think. That's the, the, the way the flesh is pushing you to go. That's what's going to fix you. That's what's going to fill you. That's what's going to solve every problem that you've got. It's to be the most in this world. To get, 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 get. But what shall it profit a man? Jesus says it's just the opposite. Jesus says if any man wants to save his life, he's going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Right? Because what's it going to profit you to gain the whole world? If you've got everything you've ever wanted, but you don't have Jesus, you ain't got nothing. That job will not fulfill you. That house will not make you feel at home. That relationship can't fix that hole that's in your heart. That drug can't take away the pain that this world is bringing you. Whatever you think is going to fix you apart from Jesus Christ ain't going to do nothing but make you worse. So everything that glitters ain't gold. James thought, if I just get up there next to Jesus, if I can just get up there next to Jesus, that's what the flesh said, if I just get up there and I'm on his right hand, and Jesus just said, man, I'm finna be mocked and I'm finna be scorned and I'm finna be killed. And you saying you can drink the cup? They said, yeah, we can. He said, oh yeah, <laughs> you gonna. You gonna. You gonna drink the cup that I'm drinking. You gonna get the baptism, that I, uh, the baptism I'm being baptized with. You, it's gonna happen. But it ain't gonna happen like you think it's gonna happen. Because the promises of the flesh are never fulfilled the way that they are set out. You know, I, I always think about that, that thing about sin. You know, that sin will, it'll take you further than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you were willing to stay and it'll cost you more than you were willing to pay. That's flesh, bro. Flesh is satisfied by sin and sin does those things to you to satisfy flesh. Nothing's ever getting satisfied there. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? What does it do for you, really, to glitter in this world when glitter ain't really gold? Worldly honor is a glittering thing, but it don't last. Everything about this world is fading away. Worldly honor ain't gonna, it ain't gonna last long. And you're gonna be right back looking for that next thing. Your flesh don't want you to know that. Your flesh says you need to glitter. Your faith says you need to get behind the cross. 
Your faith says you need to let Jesus shine. Because when you shine with the light of Jesus, it ain't glitter. Huh? It's sunshine. That's what faith says. The second thing the flesh don't want you to know is as we move from flesh to faith, we, we begin to see that a changed heart means changed desires. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thine heart. You know, it took me a long time to be able to differentiate between my wants and my needs. You know, my wants, man, I wanted a lot of stuff. You know, there was a lot of things that I wanted through the years that I thought, just like we were just talking about with the, the glitter thing and the what shall it profit a man, I thought that these wants were what I needed. <laughs> but the wants that I had will not fulfill the needs of the life that I'm living today. Does that make sense? The wants that I had will not fulfill the needs of the life that I live today because now the desires, my heart has changed, so the desires of my heart have changed. No longer do I desire the things that I once did, the women, the money, the drugs, the, the, the cars, the, the, how, the things that I wanted, the things that I thought were the answer, the things that, that, that I would feel that emptiness, right? The wants that I had, they no longer feel the needs that I have today because the needs that I have today are fulfilled by one man. Right? One man fills all the needs of my life today. And so I delight myself in the Lord and he gives me to the desires of my heart because I know that I need him. And when I need him more than I need anything else, he's going to start giving me the needs that my heart has to meet my desire to live for him. Amen. When you recognize that your heart has changed, and so the desires of your heart has changed, you learn to be content with whatever you've got. Because contentment is a man that lives inside of me. Contentment is Jesus Christ. It's knowing that I have a relationship with Him knowing that He is all that I ever need, knowing that He will never leave me nor forsake me, knowing that His love is a constant in my life, knowing that He's never going to let me down, knowing that He's always going to stand up for me, knowing that whatever happens in my life, I'm never alone, knowing that in the middle of a storm, He's the calm, knowing that when the, I'm walking through a valley, the shadow of death can't come upon me because life is inside of me. Right? That's, that's the need that I have today. My heart is changed. So the desires of my heart have changed. And all that my heart desires today is to be as close to Jesus Christ as I possibly can be. Because I know that when I'm as close to Him as I can, when I'm delighting myself in Him, He's going to fulfill the desires of my heart because the desires of my heart today are recognizing that all I need is Him. Your flesh don't want you to see that. Your flesh still wants you to think 
that those things are all you need. Those people are all you need. Those places are all you need. All I need is Jesus. And my faith tells me that. My faith shows me that. When I go into a storm and Jesus is right there next to me, my faith is built. When I'm walking through a valley and see a mountain on the other side, my faith is built. When they're ripping my teeth out and I'm hurting like crazy, my faith is built because I know that Jesus is still there. He's all I need. My heart is different. My heart is changed. I'm content today because contentment lives inside of me. And then the last thing that you're flesh doesn't want you to know and this one is straight out of scripture is that for me to live is Christ that's what Paul tells us Philippians chapter 1 verses 20 and 21 Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1 according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by my life or by my death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. My life, everything about my life. Flesh, flesh says, gimme, 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 gimme. Faith says, give of you, give of you, give of you. Because Jesus says, give of you, give of you, give of you, right? He's saying it ain't about you getting. He said, even the Son of Man didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister. Even the come of man, the Son of Man, the King of this world, the King of glory didn't come to be served, but to serve others, right? He said, that's what this is. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is to be a servant. For me to live is to, to love. For me to live is to, to, to give everything I've got to show that he's all that matters, right? It's, it's, it's so that everything about my life is done for an audience of one. I live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. I don't live for the applause of man. I live so that Christ be magnified in my body, so that Christ be magnified in my life, whether living or dying, whatever it is. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Everything is about Him. Does everything in my life point to Jesus? That is the question that we have tonight. That is how we get from flesh to faith. Those moments when your flesh wants to rise up, your life needs to be pointing to Jesus. Because when flesh wants to rise up, if everything about me is pointing to Jesus, flesh ain't got no say in my life. Flesh has no say in my life. Flesh is conquered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The only time flesh can rise up is when I allow it to. Right? Because I have authority over my flesh. We have authority over this thing in our life because of the authority of Jesus Christ living inside of us. Because when he rose 
from that grave that third day, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He gave us, because he lives inside of us, the authority of Jesus Christ, the king of this universe, is inside of me. So I have authority over everything in my life, everything about my life. You have authority over everything in your life. Your flesh never has authority over you. You have authority over your flesh. The only time it rises up is when you say, okay, flesh, you can have a moment right now. So when your flesh rises up, it's because you let it. Stop letting it. Take authority over your life. Jesus Christ said that you have authority over your life. Why aren't you living in authority today? Why is flesh ruling in so many of our lives when flesh has been defeated? When Jesus Christ came into my life as my Lord and Savior, flesh lost. And faith won out. So for me to live is Christ. Everything about my life should point to Him. The way that I react to the people around me, the way that I react to the situations that I'm put in, when people come at me and they say things to me that I don't agree with, I should still point to Christ. When people come to me and correct me in a situation, my life should point to Christ. When I'm put in a situation that I do not want to be in, my life should point to Christ. When I'm in the best time in my life, my life should point to Christ. Does your life point to Christ? Because that's how you go from flesh to faith. For James, he wanted to be sitting at the right hand of Jesus in his glory. Because he got out of his own way. Because he got past that notion of his flesh. He ended up being the first of these disciples to be with Jesus in his glory. He was the first Christian martyr. The first of these disciples to die for the name of Jesus. Because he stopped letting flesh lead his life and began to let faith rule the day. What are you doing? Where are you at? What does your life look like? When people look at you, do they see you or do they see Jesus? I want them to see Jesus when they look at me. I want them to recognize that that, 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 that guy, he don't glitter, he shines. But it's not him. It's something more. What is it? I need it. I want it. That's the desires of my heart. For me, for you, for all of us to make a difference in this world for Jesus, for his kingdom, for his glory. And I think we can do it. 